Good evening. Thank you for being here. We are always blown away by the generosity of the church. I mean, whether it's for helping hands, young people going on mission, or for whatever it is that we do, we're just so blessed uh, that people contribute financially uh, to, to literally everything that we do, to never um, meet the target and beyond. So we're so thankful. Uh, that just to repeat what uh, Risa said and uh, on that. So we're, we're coming to, we're, we're why we serve, just, uh, uh, just to highlight this that we said we'd, uh, we'd uh, now we found, uh, you know me, I found the offer for the pizzas. Buy one, get one free. Uh, so that's what we're doing. And that means you're now getting two slices instead of one, okay? On Tuesday night. But we need somebody who's got the ministry of collecting pizzas. Uh, so if you, if you listen, there's a calling on everything, like. So if you can help, I see that hand. Oh, I see that hand and stuff. So, uh, so, we, get the, so we found the offer and stuff. So Tuesday night. Tuesday night's not just about the pizza, okay? Though some of you are thinking it is like, but we've got the time before. We're going to have a time of worship and then uh, sharing. So we're listening to some people who are sharing why they're involved in the stuff that they're in. Because we, we are moving everybody from the, the audience to the army. This is what we spoke on last week. We are committed to this uh, as a church. Uh, but we have to understand some things as we do this. Uh, because it's so important for us. As, as, we, as we're a church that we, 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 we've established that this church is not a one-man ministry or a one or two-man ministry and stuff that actually we believe that everybody has a ministry, a place to serve to fulfill the mission that God has given us as a church. And there is something fulfilling and rewarding and purposeful in being a part of that and being used by God uh, and so we're coming really to the other the, the second part of what I wanted to speak on and to follow up from, from last Sunday and stuff just to encourage us to come out on Tuesday night to see what's going on to see well hey how can I be involved and stuff don't be put off because you think well I'm not free at this these times and things like that come and hear everything that has to be said and then you know you can decide at the end of the night or go away and pray about it and say well I, I could do this and that so we're just going to continue on with that thought really uh, this evening let's pray before we start father we, we thank you this evening father we thank you for the generosity of this church Father God, people don't have to give anything. But Father, we just find that we're blessed so many times with whatever need we present to the church. Father, they just pour out abundantly and bless us. And we're so thankful for the amount that's raised yesterday, Lord, and for other things, Lord, that we do as a church. Father, as we come tonight, Lord, we, we thank you for the challenge of, Father, being a church that serves I'm moving from the audience to the army, Father God, your army. Father, would you stir our hearts, Father God? Father, whether we are serving or whether we are thinking about it or whether we're not, Father, stir our hearts this evening, Father God, with the reason why we serve, why we do what we do. So pray for your word now and bless us as we gather around it in Jesus' name. Amen. I read this last week and I thought it was very important for what we do as people of as a church. The why you do is always more important than the how you do and the what you do. The problem sometimes in churches is we get caught up with the second and the third one. 
which is the how you do and what you do and that sometimes can create a little bit of conflict sometimes and and things like that that come along with that but we must establish that the most important thing is always the why we do what we do why why are we calling on people to serve you know why is it important for us as a church not to be in just a church that in a sense gathers together on a Sunday then goes our separate ways the, the rest of the week that we're actually called to make a difference for the kingdom of God where we are so we must establish the why we do as the most important thing to start with not necessarily the what you do because the what you do is tied to the why that you do and then you have the how that you do and the how you do can change obviously we've said this many times before from the front that the the message never changes the message is established it's permanent it's a life-changing message there is no other message but the method may change and the method may change of how that message gets delivered so people can hear it uh, so people's lives can be changed by the power of the word and the power of the spirit and so we keep that at the beginning tonight of the why we do uh, three quotes when it comes to serving and you know I like a quote so the first one is this the measure of a man's greatness is not the number of people that serve him but the number of people he serves there is only one and in the church over the last so many years not this church but the Christian church in the sense it has gone leadership top heavy you can buy the 21 principles of leadership, the seven healthy habits, the six ways to make your team work, the 10 ways not to burn your toast in the morning and all those other things and that and stuff. And actually there is only one style of leadership that there is in the New Testament. And it's a style that Jesus demonstrates time after time after time after time. And he pushes it, displays it and demonstrates it uh, both to his disciples who then share it with the church. And it is servant leadership. Servant leadership. The leaders are there to serve. We don't elevate our leaders to the point where they don't serve anymore. He says servant leadership is always the key and if you are a leader he says the most important thing the thing that goes above that and before that is servant leadership you're you're there to serve uh, and that quote there sort of helps us understand that actually this is not about the number of people that serve the leader but actually the the number of people that the leader serves and, and that's the thing that we're getting to when we're looking at this whole idea uh, of service that I've shared with you before uh, that actually the job of the leader is not just to tell everybody what to do uh, you know just to give them the instructions to say you go and do this you go and do that and and that's it make my tea two sugars every time at nine o'clock in the morning that's not the job of the leader the lead job of the leader is to serve is to serve the vision of the church is to serve God is to serve the people of God is to serve the community that the church is in and we establish that as the why uh, of here and then the second thing we look at and this is for us personally is this is what matters is not the duration of your life but the donation of it and I thought what a great challenge that is that actually we're not looking at the number of years that we want to live though we all want to live a long life but actually the donation of it what did I do for other people what, what did I do for others 
You know, how, how did I serve God? How did I serve in the church? How did I serve the, the community and stuff? And so we ask ourselves that question that actually it's not the duration of squeezing in as much as we can that we discover ourselves and our self-awareness and increase our self-esteem and work on our self-confidence. The success of our lives lie outside of ourselves. That actually the greatest thing we can do with our lives is actually serve others because it is what God has called us to do and challenged us to do. So we see that it's the donation of our life, not the duration of our life. And our third quote uh, from Joni Erickson Tyler, the people will have heard of. She said this, is, that's what I love about serving God. In his eyes, there are no little people because there are no big people. We are all on the same playing field. And I thought, what a wonderful thought that is when it comes to There is no one more important than the other. Uh, scripture describes the church it describes the people of God as a body that actually how we need each other and actually we can't do what we do without each other that whatever your special gift and talent and ability is you bring that to the body to the team and what I bring to the body and what somebody else brings to the body and what you bring to the body and stuff it complements and it completes it does those two things in the body of Christ because we need each other. It says there's no such thing as an individual Christianity. There's no such thing as going solo. There's no such thing. We shared this last week that when Jesus started his ministry, the first thing he did was he gathered all these fellows together, uh, his team of disciples, and then took them on a journey with him for three years. And it made us understand that there's nothing lonely in about this. There's nobody that goes it alone. That actually it's team ministry. It's we serve together. I know that you're enjoying that. They're actually doing that together. Each and every one of us brings something to the table. Each of us brings something to the team. Nobody is more important than the other, the person next to you and stuff. There are no big people, no little people and stuff. And so that just lays the groundwork tonight for answering the question of why we serve. Uh, and there are some verses in 1 Peter 4 and we're just going to take a look at these tonight and just gives us the reason why we serve and it says in verse 7 it says the end of all things is near therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins offer hospitality to one another without grumbling each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter's writing this letter to encourage the believers, to encourage the Christians. And there are several things that we can pull out of this that relate to us tonight. But he gives us the main reason to start with as to why we do what we do. He just opens it up there in the passage when he just simply says, the end of all things is near. 
You say, what's well, a bit drastic, isn't it, for opening up the service on a Sunday night as you come to preach? But listen, it, it's the truth. The end of all things is near. Now, we're not going to get in tonight to the prophetic charts and what people believe about the second coming of Christ and all of this. But what I will say is this. This was written nearly over 2,000 years ago. And rather than giving you those details and stuff, the only truth that I can give you is they believed they were in the last days there. They believed that they were in the last days. What we can say from this tonight is we are definitely one day closer to Jesus returning. We are definitely one day closer. It's probably the only thing I can say on this, that actually we are still in that position. The end of all things is near. And so what Peter is saying as he writes this to the church is this, is that because people are believing that Jesus is coming, it should call them to actually be urgent about what needs to be done. It gives us a challenge to be alert, to be sober, but really to be urgent. But the end of all things is near, so he tells us what we need to do. Uh, and the first thing he tells us is, is this before we come to the serve part. He tells us that we need to pray. And Peter writes that the end of all things is near. Peter writes all the way through his letter that everything is necessary for history to come to an end has actually already happened. And he writes this in his letter. He says the Messiah has come. He's lived and he's died. He's right that he's been resurrected. He writes that Jesus has ascended back to his father where he now reigns at his right hand. He writes in 1 Peter 4 verse 5, the previous letter, he said, Jesus is ready right now to judge all who live and have ever lived. And so there's the urgency and stuff that they knew that all this had been completed. The only thing we're waiting for is Jesus is coming back. That should create an alertness. That should create some sense of urgency within us to do what needs to be done when we say we have all the time in the world actually we don't uh, actually we don't have all the time in the world we're one day closer tomorrow will be another day closer and so Peter affirms that we're now living in the last days or the end times what's the right response to this panic is it sort of what do we need to do that sort of isolation indulgence let's let's try and 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 get as much pleasure as we can let's seek as much pleasure as we can Peter's answer is probably the most rational response it's simply this is to pray is to pray and a prayer simply requires strong and clear minds that actually the reason we're praying as a church is because actually not if this is going to happen but when this happens he says, have we done everything that we possibly could? Have, have we shared as much as we could? Have we said to as many people as we can? Have we got that sense of urgency and, and, and alertness about us that has delivered and shared the message that we believe that we live for? That's, that's the urgency that Peter is talking about here. He's saying, this is what you need to do, be clear-minded. He says, and simply, don't, don't, don't just follow after all the things that sort of give you happiness uh, and all the stuff that you think will give you satisfaction. There's a bigger picture here. The bigger picture is we're one day closer to Jesus coming back. And you see, when Jesus does come back, that's really, it's final then. It says all those people we've been praying for, all those people we've been hesitating about telling them about Jesus, that's it. It says we don't get that opportunity again. And so we have to take that opportunity now 
and be urgent about it and actually keep that as the why we are doing what we are doing because when Jesus comes back we want to be able to say as a people and as a church we took everybody with us that we could I mean everybody I mean we shared it with everybody we shared it when it was popular and people wanted to listen to us we shared it when it was unpopular and nobody wanted to listen to us we did all of that and said we've done everything that we could we've been urgent about it and so that's why Peter shares it here as really the foundation of it of why we serve why we do what we do so we look at it and say, well, we can hesitate for a second and say, well, I don't know if I've got a part to play and stuff. How all of us have a part to play? Because we're all part of this urgent response to rescue as many people as we can for the kingdom of God. Though we can save nobody, says we have a tremendous responsibility to share what we believe to serve the community, to show people this is the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so that's what we do here, you see, we come. And so it moves us on to the next thing that Peter tells us to do. He says in the last days, well, we've got to love each other. And then it, these are the last days. It's important for us to love the ones that we're going to spend eternity with. That's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? Because people get on our nerves here. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says you won't get in your nerves when you're in heaven. I can't find a chapter or verse. So we have to work that out, don't we? And, and here it says, it says we're to love one another. But it's not this soppy love that maybe sometimes we think of and, and stuff. He says for the second time in this letter, Peter commands Christians to work hard at loving each other. Why? Because it's hard work to love sometimes, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. There are some people we find it easy to love. There are some people, I've got to be careful, I don't look anywhere. <laughs> so I said, look, there are some people, I look at the sound desk, I don't like any of them. All right, so any. <laughs> it says some people, and the challenge is, is to love. And he says, Peter writes this, he worked hard at loving each other. Wow. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, actually, the original word means deeply earnestly fervently with effort that's a worse bit isn't it because we're there faced with people sorry Nell I didn't mean to look at you <laughs> we're there faced with people thinking that person does my head in that person gets on my nerves and I've got to do and the command here is to love each other but it's love with an effort it's love and it's why it says love covers a multitude of sins that's not that that's not that way that's this way it says the love that way is always already covered by the cross we would read that and think of the cross it's nothing to do with the cross of christ it's everything to do with this way that actually the love we have for each other covers a multitude of sins the irritating people who say things to us that hurt us and offend us or we misunderstand them or we don't understand why they've done what they've done or the people that go out of their way to hurt us all those people you know what I'm talking about because we all have experienced this at some point it's in love covers a multitude of sins it has to because the church above all else can't just be a praying church it has to be a loving church as well 
on the loving British heart. Oh, the loving British heart, isn't it? Yeah, you're all sitting there going, oh, I know. Because that's a challenge of it, isn't it? It's why it covers a multitude of sins. Because God had this idea of bringing the church together. And there would be no earthly reason why a crowd of us, and honestly, if you could look down now where I'm standing, why a crowd of us that look like we do, behave like we do, all gathered together with nothing else in common other than Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the only reason that we would gather together, isn't it? But actually, that's the only reason we should gather together. And that's the reason that causes us to love one another. Because in that body of Christ, no one of us is perfect. There are none of us that are perfect. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. Every one of us bring to the table not just our gifts and our abilities, but our shortcomings, our failures, our brokenness, our weaknesses, and we come in together. And that's why love covers a multitude of sins. Because to move us from the audience to the army, we get by that, don't we? We get by that by saying, listen, I know they haven't got it all together. I know there's a weakness, a brokenness, a failure within that person. But listen, the heart is right to do what God has called them to do. I can move forward with this person rather than ignoring them or rather than bothering with them or rather than questioning why they have a place in the body and stuff. Actually, we're here because the love covers a multitude of sins. So it gives us a second reason because one thing we have to understand is you'll never love the people out there if you don't love the people in here. I mean, let, let's not pretend here. We want to bring it. This church is welcoming and loving to people outside because it's welcoming and loving to people inside. Isn't that the truth? If you remember nothing else tonight, remember that. It says we are welcoming and loving to the people outside because we are welcoming and loving to the people inside. And people notice that. They come in and they see that. They witness it and stuff. They don't come in and say, well, that side doesn't talk to that side. And that side, well, they, they do the heading of that side. No, they don't know it's that. They notice it's welcoming. And they think, I'm going to be a part of this. And because they love one another. Not because we're perfect, but because we're part of the body of Christ. And so we come and find this reason here. Uh, and you see, the love moves on to that. It says, we see the third thing he challenges it to be, to be hospitable. And he says, we'll do it without grumbling. I spoke about grumbling this morning. I don't know whether the Lord saying something to me. He says, without grumbling, it's a fact recognition that actually serving others is costly, inconvenient, time-consuming, and it involves us sometimes in things that we think to ourselves, why did I get involved? But that's actually what it means to be hospitable, because we understand when we start with the praying and the being urgent with that, and that leads us on to the loving one another, we're hospitable. Somebody's described hospitality like this. It's where you invite other people into your life. That's a great thought, isn't it? You invite others into your life. It says whatever you're going through, you're inviting people in. And that could mean whenever there's a need, people are in your life to help with that need. 
He says, whenever there is something going on, you're inviting people to come alongside you and to help you with whatever it is that you are going through. But you know why it really works? It really works because of this. Because to be hospitable means when I'm having a tough time and I feel like, oh, that's the end and I can't keep going on and I want to give up. I've got people coming alongside me and keep going. You can do this. Come on. They're in my life. But you see, at some point, that time will end for me. But that will mean I'll be able to come alongside somebody else and say, hey, you know what? Keep going. We're with you in this. We're standing by you. We're supporting you. That's what it means to be hospitable when you're inviting others into your life. We don't just come together because we're church today. We don't just come together because we all have the same beliefs in a sense. You know, we've ticked the statement of faith that we all believe. Though that is important, actually we've come together because we're family. Uh, And we know here at church, whenever somebody is suffering or whenever somebody's in need, we've witnessed it hundreds of times, people coming alongside and helping and serving and doing what needs to be done. And you know what, that doesn't take a great calling, it doesn't take great gifting, it doesn't take great talent, it just takes being part of the body by saying, I'm going to be hospitable by being in somebody's life and I'm going to have them in my life as well because we don't do this on our own, we don't do this singularly. But it moves us on really to the the next thing because it helps us to understand that, that Peter says, he says, once you've got the praying bit because we're urgent, and then we're loving each other. And then we're being hospitable by inviting each other into our lives. He says, well, you're to serve others. He says, that's the, that's the key. And he uses a word, a steward. A steward is someone who takes what someone has given him and uses it in a way that was never intended. It simply means this, that God has given us something. It's not for us just to keep for ourselves. We're to use it for others. That's what a steward does. He manages what God has given him and he uses it for other people. And everybody in here has something God has given them. He said, that is clear from what we've said in scripture. If you're sitting still and I don't have anything, it's because you're not listening and you're not believing. Everybody has something. Everybody has something that makes them a steward, that God has got something for them, that God has got something and he gives them that. It's actually, when the word is mentioned in Corinthians and Titus, it actually speaks of the, the Christian minister, for example, the person who does this bit up front. But actually, when the word is mentioned here in Peter, it's a different word, and it actually means every believer. It actually means everybody who's part. Everybody is a steward who can serve in the body of Christ. Everybody, so not everybody can preach, not everybody lead worship, not everybody can teach Bible studies. He's not saying that. He's saying everybody has a part to play in the body. And you see what happens is love will show itself as we give to the church family what God has given us as the gifts. You see as we do so we are good stewards of the grace that God has given us. The most amazing thing about God using us is that God would use us. I mean that's the truth of it. It's the most amazing thing about God using us is that God would use us. Why or why would he use? Why or why would he pick all of us, some of us, to do 
fulfilled the plan and the mission that he has. Nobody is often more surprised than the person who is used by God to do what God has called them to do. So that's a picture that we're getting here of why we serve, that actually all of us have got this part to play. And it's simply because of this, we're stewards of the grace that God has given us. You haven't earned it, you don't deserve it. He said, you can't work for it. He says, that's what makes it grace. Paul understands it when he says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, I am only what I am by the grace of God. The apostle Paul says that. How much more for us that we are here today saying, actually, I, I don't have anything to offer in particular. Yes, you're right. Everything you have is by the grace of God and you're the steward of that grace as you come to serve each other, the church and the community. And the idea is this, is see, if we don't use what God has given us, we're bad stewards. We're bad stewards. We've kept it to ourselves. I thought this, and I thought this is, of all the quotes I've ever come up with, I thought this was a, an amazing quote. I thought this was what really sums up what God tries to do in all of us. And it's simply this, the grace of God is wasted if it only comes to us and doesn't move through us. So how true is that? If all it is is something that we have here, but we never, we never share it, it never moves out of us, we keep it to ourselves. It moves through us to serve others, to fulfil the mission that God has given us as a church, to move us from the audience to the army. So this grace of God that all of us have probably have experienced, most of us, uh, if you're saved, you will have experienced it. We don't keep it to ourselves. It's actually best displayed as it moves through us to do the work that God has given us to do. We don't hold on to it as some sort of precious treasure, though it is. It's actually something for us to share, something for us to show. As we serve one another, we do it with the strength God provides, the ability which God supplies, so that to him all the glory goes to him. You see, it's a gift from God what he gives us. So whatever he calls us to do, whatever opportunity is presented on Tuesday evening as you gather and you listen to what God is doing in our church and then we present the opportunity to get involved, you're not ticking the gifting and the talent and the ability you're ticking the availability and the one person you want to be a person that dispenses God's grace to others. That actually, I've experienced it, but I want to share it by serving others. That's the amazing opportunity that we have. We don't want to stand there and say, we're looking for just 10 people. We're looking for the most gifted people, those 10 that God has picked. And those are the 10 that we're going to go for. Imagine if everybody got hold of this and says, I'm going to serve somewhere. And the new outreach team, in the baby bank, with the youth, with the kids, with the academy, with the visitation team, all, I mean, with 35 different things we're going to be sharing on Tuesday night. So that means there's a place and a part for everyone. There's something for everybody to do. And the only thing that will stop you is your reluctance. It is you saying... I don't want to do it. I, I'm not going to do it. He says, and actually you're missing the fulfillment and the plan that God has for your life, which is to not only be the receivers of his grace, 
but the dispensers of it as well to others. Years ago, the Salvation Army was holding an international convention. Their founder, General William Booth, was too sick to attend. So they asked him to uh, send a cable message uh, with, his, with his thoughts on. He just said one word to the convention that was gathered there were people who were ready to serve. Just said others. Others. I thought if we could finish with something tonight, what are we going to be about? We've got to be about others. We've got to be about that we're placed in this community for a reason. And it's not just to have church, though that is important. It's actually to reach people who are experiencing darkness, who need to be set free. People who are bound by addictions and people not a hundred yards from this church who are looking for the purpose in life, the hope for this life. And it says, we're sitting here and we have it. We're sitting here and we have it. And we've got to work out how we get it from here to out there. We've got to work out how we can get them to come in and those that don't feel they're part of anything to become part of the family of God because you want people to be part of this family of God. You want people to come in, take a seat with the rest of us and say to themselves, he says, hey, I feel welcomed here. I feel accepted here. I said, they're getting a picture of who God is by his church, by his family. He says, we're presented with this tremendous opportunity at the start of this year. And I encourage you, firstly, to come along on Tuesday night. But secondly, to say, how do I move from the audience to the army? How do I stir up what God has given me so I could not just be the recipient of his grace, but the, the dispenser of it as well, to give it over to others. Let us pray. Father, we come before you tonight. Father, we know it's a tremendous challenge, Lord. But, but God, we... we, we we accept the challenge. We believe you have placed us here for a reason. To be the brightest light in this community. Father, to draw those, Lord, who don't know you yet, Father God. That this would be a place where they would get to know you. Your love, your forgiveness, your sacrifice, Lord. And it would be life-changing for them as it has been life-changing for so many of us. And Father, as we come to the end of tonight, we don't want this just to be, that was, that was a nice sermon. That was a, a good talk. Go our own way and do our own thing. The last days are near. The final days are near. There is a sense of urgency that we want to take as many as we can with us. So Father, help us by stirring our hearts tonight, Father. Help us by, Father, saying, what part can I play in the army? What can I do to reach people? And Father, we pray, Lord, as we finish tonight, Lord, that you would speak not just to us as a church, but Father, us as individuals in your body, that Father, we would not just be the recipients of your grace, Lord, 
but the dispensers of it as well. To those whose lives are broken, to those whose lives are lost, hopeless, bound in addiction, looking for freedom, being broken by the power that is in Jesus Christ, that is still able to do that this day, this year. And we just thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen.